Blog Talk Radio. Of hemp as a textile. 
I know that's one of your fortes. It's definitely something that you're an expert in. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about that. But before we get into that, uh, what was the initial introduction for hemp for you? How, how did you get introduced to hemp and inspired to start you know, working with it and spreading knowledge about it? Well, you know, it, of course, was really inspired by my mother, Barbara Philippone, who has been working all these years to develop the hemp fabrics you see on today's market. And when I was about nine years old, um, she had been working on a really big, big brand out of India. And long story, um, you know, after working in a place where humanitarian rights and work conditions are maybe not always so grand, um, she really had a hard time working there and decided that she was going to leave that company and put herself on the market. And that's when the very first Earth Tribe uh, hemp brand in the U.S. had started. And at that time, it was these four young guys who had gone on a backpacking trip um, in Thailand, and they came across this old tribal hemp that was 110 years old and literally was tuned with the teeth of the people to hand spin these yarns and hand loom these fabrics that were only about 12 inches wide with these small hand looms. And um, at that time, she had just developed this amazing collection of paneled skirts and ladies' wear um, where the guy said, hey, we, we, we love this stuff, but we can only figure out how to make mini skirts and tube tops out of this. And she goes, I can work with that. Um, so, of course, being a designer, they're so into their fabrics that after using the fabric for that initial collection, she went, somebody really has to do something about these fabrics so that all designers can use them and we can really start getting them out there to make that environmental difference. So, you know, when I was about 10 years old, um, I was introduced to hemp through my mother. Um, That's also when some of the very first Colorado industrial hemp agricultural initiatives uh, got started. Um, Some of you may be aware of the Casey Bill, which has kind of been brought back to life here in Colorado recently, but Senator Casey was a huge advocate for hemp way back when. And, um, you know, I was 10, 11 years old sitting in Colorado State Senate hearings with my mother fighting for our farmers to have the right to grow it. And, you know, way back then it was kind of one of those things where, we were going, hey, hemp's good, it's great, let us grow it, <laughs> you know, and, and we actually ended up losing the bill by only one vote. So, you know, wow. here we are all these years later where, you know, we've got the backing necessary to really show the, the business plans, the infrastructure, the feasibility studies, and push things forward, which is much different than back then when there was just a handful of folks that were just trying to actually point push the point across that, you know, hemp is a viable industrial crop that our nation really could use and needs. Um, So, of course, being a kid in this world, you know, I kind of, I always had the 
the newest, latest, greatest hemp wares, you know, a season before they'd even hit the store. And so I was the kid with the, the hemp backpack nobody had seen before, showing it off everywhere I went and talking about it to everyone. And, and I was the kid in school that, you know, in history class would always make sure to make a point about our hemp history since they weren't teaching us about it in the books. Um, and, of course, hemp's one of those topics. Yeah, you know, once you start to really become educated around the topic and and you can't help but realize what an important plant this is you know it captures you um and you know it captured me for life um you know i i tell a lot of people it's one of the the few things that i really know you know and mom will joke and say hey don't ask me to change the oil or or cook dinner but you know put me in a factory and um mm-hmm. and you know to be honest i was actually put into the industry at a very young age because there weren't enough mm-hmm. people out in the market that knew enough about um not just the plant itself but the natural adherent benefits and why we should be using hemp exactly and since you're in colorado i would love for our listeners to hear more about the progress and maybe some of the challenges that companies and farmers might expect over the next few years before we see hemp becoming legal on a federal level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, of course, things are really exciting here in Colorado as well as uh, a few other states across the nation. It's actually really nice to see that they're spread out across the nation. So now it's just mm-hmm. kind of a matter of creating the dots in between us. Um, but, you know, yeah. one thing that's really important for people to understand is um, a, a lot of folks are familiar with our Colorado um, 64 initiative, which, you know, in all reality was was really a recreational marijuana bill that um, brought industrial hemp agriculture into the back end of the bill. So come November, when that passed here, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, it's it's going. We passed it. It's on its way. Um, and really on December 5th when um, Governor Hickenlooper made the statement about allowing that recreational side of the bill to go forth, he also made a statement saying that the industrial would not be going forward at that time, that there had been some pretty serious threats from the Department of Agriculture. Um, I know that Washington State also had these threats where, you know, um, ultimately we all have to recognize that until that federal judgment is lifted, it's going to be difficult to move forward on on really any level. Um, And, you know, it's not fair that we can't just kind of put that information in their face and go, look, hey, there there really is a difference, and you can tell by mm-hmm. the eye, and there isn't going to be this confusion for law enforcement. And, you know, if you want to get technical, industrial hemp cross-pollinates with marijuana and turns it into hemp. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the concern mm-hmm. is <laughs> having, mm-hmm. you know, having this cannabis strain out there across the nation and thinking that people are going to get stoned off of it that's the last concern that we should be worried about. Um, if anything, it's actually going to help control that problem of the psychoactives being out there everywhere. So, you know, it's important for people to understand that. And, of course, we definitely don't want 
our farmers to feel threatened. So, for example, you know, the Department of Ag made a statement mid-January stating, you know, until that federal judgment is reclassified and takes the industrial out of that drug listing, um, that they really have no other choice but to treat it as such. And, you know, if a farmer in Colorado happens to grow any other subsidized crops and they want to move forth with industrial hemp, those farmers have been threatened that they'll have their subsidies taken on their other crops for up to five years. So, you know, it's making wow. it um, difficult to to really start pushing it too quickly. Now, we've noticed an awful lot of farmers here in Colorado that are saying, hey, we have uh, bare land. We're not growing anything else. We're not having to worry about losing our subsidies, and we want to move forth. And, um, hey, our property used to grow corn, and now it won't grow anything. We have to have hemp. You know, we've had a lot of folks from the western slope that are third, fourth, fifth generation farming families and communities Mm -hmm. that have said, you know, Mm -hmm. we're losing our fruit to the late freezes and the late spring and early summer and the rest of everything else to the droughts in the summer. We need this. We don't know how we're going to continue without something like this. So, you know, we're, right. we're, we had to kind of go back to the drawing board after 64. Um, and initially they said, you know, we're going to separate the industrial hemp out from the, the marijuana. And we went, oh, thank goodness, yay. <laughs> you know, um, that's what's yeah. needed because it's not the same thing. Um, but, of course, it, it then did not allow the industrial to go forth. So we've gone forward with two other initiatives in the state. Um, and the most recent is actually to allow our colleges and universities to do field studies and testing on the hemp and the growing mm-hmm. and such. But again, we have the issue of the colleges not wanting to go forth until that federal judgment's lifted because they're yeah. afraid of possibly losing endowments. Um, So, you know, it's really time for everybody to kind of come together. Um, A big thing that's come up in Colorado and that continuously gets used as a model for where we're trying to push hemp to is about 15 years ago in Colorado, they had tried to bring in um, sunflower seeds as a new industry here. And basically what happened is they found that the logistics of the program was making it cost effective. And so that's come up quite a few times from our local Department of Ag guys. They're really concerned they're going to see the same thing happen with the industrial hemp. Um, Some of the Mm -hmm. initial concerns was, hey, there aren't even transport codes. And we said, oh, yes, there is. And not only is Mm -hmm. there, but they're the same codes that we've been using for our imported hemp for all these years. So the only difference is utilizing our own hemp. Um, So we were able to really kind of settle some of those issues and, and, you know, have that understanding that, hey, everything is in place and ready to move forward. And we have so many hemp companies in the U.S., that have built the foundation of our country going forward. Um, and like I said, it's, it's just a matter of um, codes and, and lanes and, um, you know, bill of ladings and things that um, would 
now transfer from imported materials to our own U.S. materials. Wow, right. Well, we're going to go to a short break and be right back with Summer Star from Envirotextiles. We're just sharing the truth with you all so that we can become empowered and hemchicated and really make progress here in, in the United States and on the planet. We'll be right back. Have you visited BullCampWarehouse.com today? Discover dozens of Bullcamp products for great prices. Hemp seeds for your salads and smoothies, custom-tailored hemp clothing for your profession, hemp fabrics, hemp foods, along with hemp body care goods, and tons of other great items. Visit BulkHempWarehouse.com today to get the best prices and a huge variety of healthy hemp goods for you and your family. Hemp protein, hemp oils, hemp yarn, hemp books, and raw hemp fibers. Connect with us today and tell us what your project is and how we can help integrate hemp seamlessly. Just visit BulkHempWarehouse.com today. Welcome back. This is your host, Tyler Hemp with Hemp Aware Radio. Summer, one of the biggest questions that I get from people is, is hemp breathable and is it true that it can be processed in different ways in order to make it a breathable, comfortable fabric? Um, well, absolutely hemp is breathable and that's actually one of the most shining attributes um you know now when it comes to how it's processed um doesn't necessarily determine the breathability because that breathability factor is actually a natural benefit to the plant the fiber the fabric itself um now of course there are the not-so-friendly ways to process things um, where people have taken plant fibers and turned them into synthetics. And in that regard, um, that fabric then would not be breathable. Um, but, of course, we always have the strictest standards in keeping the top sustainable biodegradable guidelines. And basically what that means is coming from the earth and going back to the earth with little to no manipulation by man. Um, so it's really important that, you know, our all of our fabrics are done the natural way. I know there's a lot of uh, concerns with people out there that have maybe found out down the line that something they purchased was really not all that natural in the long run. A lot of people are pretty upset about the bamboo fabrics. Um, and, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it really boils down to U.S. labeling regulations. And, of course, we see that even with our foods. Um, this past year, of course, there was a lot of discussion around, you know, labeling GMOs. Well, you know, not just our foods that we're putting in our body are the only thing that are important, but what we're putting on our body is just as important. And, you yeah, know, a lot of people may remember... Absolutely, absolutely. And so when you think about, you know, remember a few years ago when they said don't leave your water bottle in your car because the hot temperatures will offset that plastic into your water and then you're drinking it? Well, think mm -hmm. about when you're wearing a synthetic shirt out in the hot summer sun or you're going for a hike 
and that could be offsetting right into your pores, you know, and we look at a lot of the health issues in this country, and then you start kind of putting things together, and you have to attribute it, it, it to creating some of these problems. So, you know, with industrial hemp, the main thing is these wonderful attributes, you know, not only is it coming from a natural plant, but a natural fiber should literally be those hairs, those fibers spun together to make that yarn that then goes into your fabric. And, you know, when people say, well, why is hemp so much stronger? Um, it's it's pretty easy to understand why when you look at cotton, for example, whether it's certified organically grown or not, um, cotton still requires an awful lot of water usage, and it's um, not holding a lot of those same natural attributes like the antibacterial, antifungal properties. But when you're looking at the actual fiber itself, cotton averages anywhere from a half inch to two inches long, where hemp fiber averages anywhere from eight to 18 inches long. So when you imagine that length of that fiber spinning together to make those yarns and all those many more inches that have been Mm -hmm. able to ply together and hold together, that's why your hemp fabrics are so much more durable is the actual fiber going into those fabrics. So it really makes sense, you know. Yeah, and so obviously a lot of our popular fabrics um, could be a 55% hemp, 45% organic cotton blend. And, of Mm -hmm. course, with that 55% hemp being majority, that's allowing us to maintain a lot of those natural attributes. Um, Mm -hmm. And recently we actually came out with our press release with credible laboratory testing proving those facts. You know, something that comes up a lot for a lot of us uh, hemp-aware folks out there that like to create discussion is, you know, occasionally we'll hit those people that may not be so aware and could be a little bit harder shell to get through. And a lot of times they'll say, oh, you know, you hemp people think that hemp can save the planet and there's an awful lot of things you claim, but until there's any kind of real tests or, or proof to back it up, I'm not interested, mm-hmm. you know, and we absolutely have that available, and it's been done. So share well, it, people, and let them know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. What well, what can you tell us about the antibacterial, antimicrobial effects of, of the hemp fabric? And didn't you guys just do some research and, and, and publish that recently on the antibacterial effects or, you know, benefits of hemp as a textile? Well, you know, over the many years that uh, my mother Barbara has been traveling the world, a lot of the techniques she's learned have been from indigenous people um, that had a claim, you know, that they thought that hemp did this and that and the other. And she said, well, let's test it and see. So we've actually put quite a bit of um, effort and funding time and analogy into tests, which, of course, you receive a result back, and that just creates more questions and more tests to then be done. Um, but what what actually came down in that antibacterial testing is um, we took every type of fabric under the sun that you could think of, 100% cotton, cotton poly, 100% poly, hemp, 
you know, other natural fibers, um, other bast fibers that are in that hemp family category. And we tested all of them, and we found that hemp kills bacteria 99.9%, where um, wow. cottons actually induced the growth of bacteria. So, oh you know, even though you're looking at it as, different natural fibers and you're going, hey, you know, they're all plant fibers. They sound pretty cool or this would be the more natural, healthy way to go. You still need to be aware and educated on, you know, again, like I said, with our our blends, you know, absolutely we love cotton and we want to use cotton, but we want to be sure that we're blending it with something that's going to protect us from these areas that can create health problems. And, you know, every one of us out there has a friend, a family member, a neighbor who's experienced severe health problems. And, you know, it's it's so important to recognize it early and start realizing and not what you just put into your body, but on your body that's so important. And, of course, hemp can protect you. So... You know, we really want to start mm-hmm. seeing um, child care facilities, health care facilities, start utilizing these materials that could really help um, create some solutions yeah. to the problems within those settings. And scrubs for doctors and, and gowns Absolutely. In well, that mm-hmm. is really exciting. Bandages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have just about four minutes left, and one of my favorite questions to ask all of the hemp entrepreneurs that come on Hemp Aware Radio is what is your vision and dream for the future of hemp? And, and essentially, what is your highest vision for hemp on planet Earth? But like, if, if a day in the life of hemp being legal and able to use all over the world, what would that look like? Well, Tyler, <laughs> I have big visions and dreams with hemp. I probably dream of hemp every night and every day. Um, but, you know, right now, obviously, um, the focus and the vision is really to start seeing hemp for industry for the U.S. Um, you know, as of the past couple of years, the United States has become the largest consumer on earth for hemp-based products. And yet we still aren't allowing our farmers to grow it and our workforce to become the processors. And, of course, what do we need so badly here is jobs and healthy products. And, you know, uh, we we really want to stay focused and push for hemp for our farmers, hemp for our workers, and hemp for healthy products for us. And even the idea of getting back on the global exchange and exporting. You know, when you look at the global positioning of hemp today, China is, of course, known for textiles, always has, always will be. Eastern Europe's known for rope twine and cordage, where Northern Europe's put a place on the map for the hemp cretes and some of the composite materials going into the car parts. Canada's really put their place on the map for the hemp seed oil, the foods and body cares. We've got Australia working hard on the plastics, um, everything from Tupperwares to didgeridoos and CD cases. So why not make the U.S. known for paper and building materials? We have these infrastructures in our nation that are ready to pick up tomorrow. 
and, you know, let's really start um, not only benefiting our, our own communities and creating sustainability within, but offering a product to the rest of the world because everyone's using hemp and, you know, no one's mass producing those materials at this time that gives us a beautiful opportunity to come in and make ourselves known for being the global supply of these hemp-based products. Beautiful, absolutely. Now, where can people go to learn more about Envirotextiles and where can they learn more about you and, and the projects you guys are doing and help get involved with, with Envirotextiles? Absolutely. Check us out at envirotextiles.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, you can also find me on Facebook under Summer Star, uh, as well as the Hemp Fashion Show. Um, that's been a wonderful way for me to bring awareness to people on how far hemp fashions come over the years, because there is absolutely something for everyone out there, no matter what your style or what you like to wear, mm. there is absolutely hemp wear for you. Um, we have a lot of exciting news always coming out. Feel free to email us and ask us to put you on our mailing list so that we can keep you up to date with what's happening in Colorado. Um, we're very excited to be launching some more of our studies here very soon, um, in which case are, are just more and more mind-boggling and will blow people away as they start to really put all of the hemp benefits together and understand why we're all pushing for this, why we're saying that it's mm -hmm. so needed um, besides the farmers and the jobs, but for our health of the planet as well as our own and our future generations. Um, of course, we always tell everybody, check out VoteHemp.org and the HIA. Get involved in any mm -hmm. level you can, whether you do something once a month, once a week, or once a day. It all makes a difference, and especially writing in to your representatives. Your one letter could equal a 1,000 people in your community that feel the same way that are too lazy to write. So it absolutely Excellent. makes a difference. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was an incredible uh, interview having Summer Star with Environ Textiles. This is your host with Hemp Aware Radio. Visit us on iTunes Library, and we'll see you next week.